Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a brand new edition of Collider Ladies Night. I'm very excited for this episode because I have Katya Herbers on the show and I'll tell you, I am embarrassed to admit how long it took me to finally take many, many people's advice and binge evil, but this show is very much right up my alley. You are exceptional in it and I just adore it. That's so great. I'm happy you found it. I feel like that's, that's our challenge right there. Like I feel like we're making something good. We just need people to find it. But that's what Ladies' Night is for, spreading the word. All right. So first order of business on the show is we play a game called Dicey Questions. Usually that involves a dice tower, but the dice tower is on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast right now, so it's not here. You will be picking your own numbers. I have eight questions here and you will pick three numbers and whatever uh, questions they correlate with, that's where we start at least. So All right. what is your first number? Nine. <laughs> There's no nine. Oh, what did you say? How many questions? This is so weird. It's one through eight. It's actually never happened before, but the last three consecutive (laughs) ladies nights, I've had like, you'll be the third, the third guest in a row to pick a nine. That's my lucky number under 10. Um, Why don't I go with five then? Thank you. All right. So this one is called must haves. What is something that you absolutely cannot be on set without, whether it is Mm. your sides, a, a certain snack, something to pass the time in between scenes, you name it. Um, I think I need to really know my lines. I guess I don't care about much else. And I don't like it when it's, um, when it's super cold. Sometimes these studios are freezing and they'll, and you know, and because we're, um, you're often not dressed appropriately for whatever season. Now outside there's stuff to, you know, they, they bring you a warming coat, but inside the studio, I think they have it at like 60 or something. Which, which not only is bad for the climate, but it's just also not great for us ladies. Because um, the men, you know, that's the, the thing in office buildings as well, I think. They just, they, they put it on a nice temperature for the guys and we're freezing our asses off. So when it's like too cold, I'll, I'll tell someone, I was like, can we crank it up a little? This is, feels a little much. 
I feel um, yeah. Outside from that, yeah, what else do I need? Uh, I really like it when it's just uh, when everyone feels good. Like there's no stress. I don't like stress. So that's really nice. I also don't like yelling. And we have a really nice set. <laughs> like people aren't yelling at each other. But um, that's about it. Okay. Yeah. No cold, no stress, no yelling. That yes. sounds like an environment I would like to be in. So I love <laughs> yeah. the team you just said there. <laughs> All right. What is your second number? Uh, three. All right. That is my lucky number. This oh. one is called Never Again. What is something that you did for a past role that now makes Oof. you think, I'm really glad that I tried that, but I don't ever have to do that again? You know what? I'm not even glad I tried it. I had a, I did a, a movie in Holland it was a, a super low budget, but, you know, I like the filmmaker, everything. And there was a, a moment where I had to jump into a pond. And we were in the middle of nowhere. This pond, it was in the middle of the night. It was very cold again. And um, uh, the camera was in the water and it was like looking up. And I didn't know where it was. We were behind uh, on schedule, as you are always. And like people were yelling at me, like, just jump, just jump. The camera's in there. And like, I. I do not know where the camera is. How do I know where to jump? They were like, it's fine, it's fine. And I jumped in and I hit my head on the camera. And uh, it was awful. And then I got really sick because I'd been like in that pond the whole time and it was so cold that I lost my voice. And I was supposed to do this really wonderful, like very dear to my heart, um, theater music performance. Uh, it was um, uh, 21 songs after Schubert and Schumann with a small orchestra. And it's kind of, it's written specifically for an actress. I'm not, or an actor. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a trained singer, but the piece is for somebody with not a trained voice. Um, so that all these 21 songs are kind of like 21 little chapters out of this woman's life. Uh, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and then I had to cancel it because I'd been in that pond. <laughs> and I had no voice. Um, so I'm not going to, I think like when people start yelling at me to just do something without knowing, um, you know, what you're doing, I think I would be at the point in my career now where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go just because you're yelling. Yeah. The second you mentioned uh, yelling in the cold, I knew exactly <laughs> what path we were going down. Uh, yeah. You have one more pick. What is your last number? Ooh, number one then, I guess. All right. <laughs> this is fun. Number one is a would you rather question. Okay. Would you rather have to fake sneeze or fake vomit in a scene? Oh, I've absolutely done both. Um, fake sneeze is hard. Who taught me that? One of my girls taught me that actually on Evil. No, they taught me fake hiccup, which is also quite hard. Uh, I think I would rather fake vomit. It's easier. You know, you get a bunch of goo in your mouth and sneezing, um, even like if I would try to do it, what do you do? I can't, I'm not going to embarrass myself, but I'd have to like get the technique right. Cause even with like the hiccups, gosh, I have to call one of my evil daughters. Cause they're very good at both fake sneezing and fake hiccuping. And then when they told me how to do it, I was like, you've saved me. I'm going to use this. Now I've forgotten. But there's a trick. Um, fake yawning is very, uh, that's actually something you can do. And I, I, I once had a class in America when I was 19 at Uta Hagen's uh, studio. And we would all stand in a circle. And whoever was turn it was, you had to yawn. I was like, holy crap, this is, this is amazing. And so hard. But now I know how to 
I think that's that's a way of like letting go. It's less technical. It's sort of like more like relaxing where you're able to get there. And then everyone's yawning, obviously. <laughs> that um, yeah. <laughs> but fake vomiting is is quite easy. It's just a little gross. Yeah. 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 I've I've grown very obsessed with with the little things, the little things that we oh, do yeah. on a regular basis because performance in general seems so difficult to me. But we never talk about you know the fake sneeze, the fake vomit, uh, fake waking up, fake driving. All the stuff. It's all that's all the good stuff. And actually, when I when I was at Uta Hagen's uh, studio when I was younger, um, she was very much into that, like all the little things, like you've forgotten your keys. Now where are they? You're going back to the door. How are you gonna? your back to, like all those kind of like really natural ways that you just have to fill with thoughts which is the fun of our job anyway like fill the lines with thoughts and with heart and and whatever you got but um in terms of sneezing you can't fill that with a thought so it's so hard it's really purely technical like crying you can fill with thoughts and you can actually start crying laughing same deal no sneezing super hard i'm calling my daughters i'll get back to you Okay. All right. We're going to get into the meat of it now. Yeah. The uh, first question on Collider Ladies Night is always, what was the movie, the performance, or personal experience that first made you say, I have to be an actor and nothing else? Gosh, I wish I had such a great answer to that. I just, I think I was, as a child, I was quite, um, like, I was always observing how people felt and, and uh, like, how they related to each other. And maybe I was quite quiet and bit shy and my parents split up when I was very young so I was in like two very different environments and um I think for me it's a way to yeah what is it what the hell am I doing I don't know I've just been fascinated with people's behavior I think I have I feel like I've got something to give there I love uh I love my job but it wasn't like oh I saw you know, the film Annie. And I was like, oh my God, I want to be part of this orphanage and I want to sing. And I love Miss Hannigan. I loved that movie, but it wasn't like, oh, I need to be that. And then when I, um, when I did become, or did know like, oh, I want to be an actor. I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, this is the most embarrassing thing. Why do I, I am I seriously going to tell people that I want people to look at me because I was so shy. Like, I was never like doing anything. But then I figured out, oh, no, it's actually you, there are different different types of actors, like people who really always want to be in the spotlight and people who are quite introverted, which is more like how I am or like extroverted introvert. I think I <laughs> like I can I can be extroverted, but I need a lot of time to just recharge. And, you know, if there's a dinner party, I don't I don't have the best stories or anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh does that answer your question? I think it does. <laughs> it very much does. Okay. I, as you were explaining it originally, I'm like, that's a really like thoughtful, nice, different answer to that question. <laughs> then when you went the Annie route, you know how many times I've heard Annie on this show? Oh, I know. Every woman has seen it. If it's important to someone, it's very important. But Annie has come up many a times. It's Annie. Yeah. And I remember seeing Annie, but I didn't think I wanted to be Annie. I was just like, this is this is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> So when you first said to yourself, I want to be an actor, I want to make this my career, what did you think step one to becoming an actor was at the time? And now having gone through that phase, would you actually recommend that step as step one to an aspiring actor out there? I actually do. I think I think it, it turned out in the end. Like I, I was um, 18 when I first auditioned here in Holland in Amsterdam for theater school. And they were like, 
yeah, you're, you're maybe something, but you're really young. Go live a little and come back. And then, you know, at the time, the world was different. Um, I could just get, you know, now I feel a little worse about flying, climate change. But at the time, it was like, a great, you know, I'm going to go, you know, get, get, uh, live. And I went to, I had, like, I went like this whole trip to Thailand. And then I went to New York on my own for six months. I thought, you know, then I'll maybe I'll grow up and I'll have some experiences. And then I went to Uta Hagen's uh, um, HB Studios in New York. And then I did have a whole bunch of experiences. And as heartbroken as I was in the beginning, not getting in at 18, I think when I, after I, when I did get in at 21, that was way better. I had, I had done some assisting in the theater. I had, um, <laughs> I had tried, actually, this is quite a funny story. I, I uh, wanted to hang coats in the theater here in Amsterdam because I thought, this is great. Then I can see all these plays. And I uh, applied and the guy who was doing the interview with me said, like, you know what? I understand you want to, you know, you want to be here in the theater, but the people who work here, they have to like just have a bit of, you know, a bit of something, something. You just don't have it. You just don't have it. I don't think we can have you hang the coats of people. And then later when I performed there on stage a lot, I was like, I always thought of that guy going like, I, he wouldn't even let me hang the freaking coats. Um, but uh, I think rejection is great to have under your belt, bit of trauma, uh, have loved a little, don't get too successful too early. I don't know if that's good for anyone. I'm happy that I just went to like regular theater school. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't a big shot. I don't still feel like a big shot, but like, I don't, I think my girls on the show, so I have four daughters on the show. I think they're really great and I think they'll be fine. Um, and also maybe because we're not, you know, a huge Netflix hit or something like Stranger Things that they're being followed or, but I don't know what fame would do to a really young person when you're just. We talk about that quite a bit on this show. And I, I've heard, I've heard some stories, but thankfully a whole bunch yeah. of stories of people living through it, having learned and then being able to pass those lessons down to the younger yeah. stars, the younger co-stars. Right. Yeah. I have so many uh, follow-ups. First, well, who would you say was the opposite to that theater employee who, who told you no? Someone during the beginning years where things seemed, you know, really tough, if not impossible, who was there to kind of point you in the right direction when you needed it most? Well, I remember I did like, a, a, um, there was nobody actually who did that, but I once did an improv class. And I remember that in the improv, I started, I don't know, yelling or something and like out of the window. And it was like the third on the third floor of a building in Amsterdam. And then the cops showed up because somebody had called the cops and it was like, there's a girl yelling. And I remember thinking, if I can make the cops, the people believe that the cops need to show up, maybe, maybe I can do something. <laughs> so that actually made me feel really great. Um, and then when I went to Uta Hagen school, uh, which was, by the way, the only, which is really great about HB Studios, it's the only acting school in New York that you can go to if you don't have money. I think I paid them like, what was it, 30 bucks a week or something? And then I, once I tapped into what I thought was having talent, it still embarrasses me to say it, but like, I did think like, oh, okay, I think I, I think I've got something. Then I just kind of trusted whatever that was and tried to nurture that and, you know, get 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 better 
So that gave you the belief in your ability to to perform. But what about in terms of the industry in general? Because that's oh. another thing. You could have a lot of faith in your craft, but still, it's an, a nearly impossible industry to navigate and to find oh, yeah. any, uh, you know, like confidence that you could have some like sustainability, like you could have a long career. So was there any particular right. credit you booked that made you think I am here, I'm standing on firm ground and I have momentum now? <sighs> Wow, that's so many things to have. I don't know if I've ever really felt that. But um, uh, I look when I went to America, I was 31 years old, I think. So I had already had a career in Holland, working in the theater and working on TV and working in film. And I just thought, I'm just going to give it a go. Like, why not? And I had this accent that I worked on very, you know, a lot. And I thought, you know, I don't have to just play a Russian spy or a whore. I can, you know, maybe just be an American. This would be great. So then I, um, so then when I did book my first job, I did think like, oh my gosh, okay, so now I maybe I can have a career in America, but then I had to start all the way over because I was sort of established here in Holland and not really there or not at all there. Um, but I met really good people. Like Tommy Schlamy was the showrunner on that, who's just, you know, the most wonderful director. Uh, Sam Shaw wrote it. Wrote it. He's incredible. I still have friends from that time. Um, David Harbour was in it, Rachel Brosnahan, Michael Chernus, Ashley Zuckerman, Chris Denham. Like, it was a crazy show, and we're all still quite close with each other. And then later through that, I um, worked with someone on The Americans who also directed Manhattan, and then that person got me the leftover. So it, like, if, I still feel like that I'm very much tied, tied to my first job. I love hearing when people finally discover Manhattan in particular. Oh, that, yeah. show, that show is so good. And it, feel, yeah. it feels like it came and it went and it didn't have the audience that it deserved. Yeah. But I just want to say, because I don't want to be an idiot, one of my best friends on that show is John Hickey. I didn't mention him and Olivia Williams, but like, he's the lead of the show. Yeah. That's what happens when you have such a big, fabulous yeah. ensemble. Yeah. It's easy to miss some of the names in the mix. Um, what would you say required the biggest learning curve when you first came over to the States oh. and started working in the Hollywood system? Because I've got to imagine it's a very different beast to tackle. Yeah, auditioning. The, the American way of auditioning is very different. Like you do not, in America, you read often with people who aren't actors, you know, who are looking down at what's at their sides. That does not exist in Holland. Self-taping. I had no idea how to do that. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it so much. Now I've gotten, I've gotten better at it, but Oh my God. I actually have, I don't have it here. Otherwise I would show you, but I have like, I think it's a stack of this many sides of auditions that I did after Manhattan. Cause Manhattan, I got very easily, like within two weeks, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is easy America. What the hell? What's the problem? And then after that got canceled, which I think shouldn't have gotten canceled, but after it got canceled, um, it took me a while to, to, to book anything substantial. Like my next series regular was Westworld, which was, you know, a bit later. Also, because I was very picky. I really only, I thought if I'm going to be in America and I'm going to be away from my friends and my family, I really want to be on something that I want to watch and that I think is amazing and that I wouldn't be able to make in Holland because otherwise I can just go home. Like, why would I? So I did turn down like some things that I didn't, didn't like. 
Okay, so that that always fascinates me because it's an industry where, you know, not that this is the best way to be thinking about it, but I feel like a lot of people have that mentality of like, I'm lucky to have an opportunity at all, even if it's not oh. something that really speaks to you. So how did you go about balancing, you know, being picky and taking things that only spoke to you in that sense, but also making sure that you were taking enough to kind of keep you in the mix and further your career along? I just, I just made no compromises. I just did not want to do something that I didn't want to watch. I just didn't understand what my life would be about then. And I, and probably because I had, you know, my foundation in Holland and I could always go back, but I think acting is so personal for me at least. And I, I, I give, I feel like I give a lot and I just don't want to give my, my heart and my, and my mind and my body to something that I don't believe in. I just don't, then the profession I think becomes not fun. Um, so I feel like that's when it when it uh, teeters into uh, job territory. Well, jobs are fine. Like I think no, I'm not looking down on anyone who you know takes a job to keep their health care. Or and I was just lucky because I had a whole other career that I just felt at any moment I could go home and you know do a checkoff play, and that's just more nurturing to me. And I didn't need, um, uh, you know, in Holland. you don't you really cannot get make a lot of money off acting but i but i also never thought that i needed to make a lot of money i'm a pretty simple person so like i didn't i didn't think i just never needed it um i've just been fortunate to just be able to think oh i can always go back to the theater why not that's fun I'm a big believer when someone really believes in the material they're making, you could see it on screen, yeah. regardless of how good of an actor they are. If you don't have that particular connection, it's not going to pop quite as much as it could have. No, I don't, I don't think so. And also, but sometimes, you know, you do give, I, I, cause I've done job jobs in Holland, very different by the way, in Holland, I've done quite a few job jobs because how, how are they different? Well, just, I mean, like, because for me, it felt like a bit of um, a sacrifice or something to be away from my family and my friends. And I just was so homesick that I just wanted to make that all special. And if it was just a job job, I just was not going to do it. But I've done job jobs here just to, you know, you need also need hours in front of a camera and you figure out how a set works, all that stuff. So I, I, I was more, way more picky. I've been more picky in America than I was in Holland, definitely starting out. Um, because you do show up, or I don't know how to show up without uh, your your whole self. So I still do show up in that capacity and try to give it a lot. But then if you're working with people who, who aren't about nurturing that or, or, or seeing that for what it's what it's worth or making, you know, editing that in a way or or just not interested in it, maybe just more interested in having a bit of a, you know, just somebody... <laughs> saying the lines. I don't know. I don't know what they're interested in, but anyway, interested in a different product than I'm interested in. Um, then, then it just feels like you've given quite a bit for nothing. And that's just, you know, not that fun. <laughs> I very much understand that. I'm, I'm busy sitting in New York right now, even though I live in LA because oh. my family's here. And whenever I'm in LA, it needs to be worth my while to be away from them in LA. That's so I it. Get it. That's what it is. Yeah. That's very exactly much get it. it yeah. Um, so jumping into evil now, what would you say it was about the show and the character specifically that made you think like this is something that I want to apply myself on that deep level to right now? Well, the Kings, Robert and Michelle King and, and you know, their writing and uh, how what I'd seen of their writing and of their lead female roles and how 
expansive that is and how it keeps changing and 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 then my meeting with them um because I met with them for the role I just connected a lot on a sense of humor and they were looking for somebody who um because I job mostly comedy here in Holland or is kind of what I'm more known for here not in, not in America but they were looking for someone who could bring a little bit of lightness uh or or had like some of that background like Asif Monvi obviously he's a stand comedian I'm in no way stand comedian but um so they were looking for people to bring some some of that to this sometimes quite dark world and I think that's uh that worked out quite well on our show because I think it is very funny and and you know their writing is so so funny and and it's so layered and I'm just really proud of it I, I really love the show it boggles my brain how a show can manage so many different uh tones, right? even genres to a point, but yeah. you guys do it quite well. Yeah. It kills me a little bit when we're described as a horror show because I'm like, we're so much more than a like we we have horror elements or but I, I, I wouldn't be able to pin us down at any any one genre really. This is why I started to use the word genre as a replacement to horror because I feel like people love it. horror into a very specific thing. But then I say genre and nobody knows what I'm talking about anymore. I love that. I love that. Genre. I'm going to say that. What kind of show is it? It's a genre show. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you get a little yeah, of everything that way. I would never tune into a horror show because I'm scaredy cat. I would be like, it's not for me. But then I would have missed out on, you know, because it's, I, I, anyway, look, yeah. Well, now I have to ask you, what's the scariest horror movie you've ever seen? Oh, The Shining. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. The twins in the hallway, they still haunt me. Very scary. Going back to your original meeting for Evil, what would you say is the biggest difference between how you pictured Kristen then and then who she turned out to be when you started to dig into the role while filming? Um, well, I could just never dreamed that they would give her uh, that kind of an arc. They didn't know, I think, when when we had the meeting, where I was going to go, that I was going to, you know, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the first season, mute me, but kill someone. Um, and then the second season, mute me again, uh, you know, deal with all that guilt. I, I had no idea. I just knew that they were going to, yeah, going to go places with the role. And um, she's still... I, I just like people who are, uh, I like playing people who are, who are not any one thing. I try to do that with a, any role anyway, because I think one of, one of the best things that a, one director um, once said to me was, people are everything and the audience will make up who that person is. Like you don't have to be consistent in your, in your choices, because that makes sometimes for a bit, bit of a dull performance and it's more dynamic if if you're all over the place and I think that um you know what what Kristen my character has been through certainly allows her to be a bit all over the place <laughs> and to you know still be a very try to be a very good mother worried that she isn't um all the things um and uh I did know from the start that because they as a backstory they had her being a, a mountain climber uh, which is not really very prominent in the show, but for me, it did mean that she would probably had some kind of adrenaline um, uh, addiction, because she was also she was one of those people who, who climbed without ropes, and that fascinated me. And then I also thought, like maybe the way that's in the pilot where I talked to you know, the serial killer Orson Larue, um, 
I thought like maybe that's kind of a mountain climbing for her, like a psychological mountain climbing, the way that she deals with these these scary people. And so I like how I loved how smart she is and how unafraid she is and how maybe she likes walking on the edge. So that background did give me some, although it's not prominent prominent in the show, but it did inform my performance a little bit. Oh, I get that. I feel like that uh, that fills in so much of the character, too, in terms of her leaving it behind to uh, change her priorities with her kids going forward. So I feel like, yeah. that, that, like even though we don't see or hear about it all that much, it's still informing every layer of the character. Yeah. And 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 she is uh, radical in her actions. And I think you have to be pretty radical if you're going to go up a mountain yeah. without ropes. <laughs> Have you ever Holy. seen Freaking Solo? That documentary I did. to this day. I can't oh. get over it. No. Um, so this kind of goes against what you were just explaining, but do you have any kind of, I guess, like an anchor or a compass of sorts for Kristen as she goes through all of these cases and they influence what she believes in, whether she believes or not, basically, no matter what she goes through, you can always, you know, think mm-hmm. about like this one core quality to ensure that, you know, whatever decisions she makes that follow those experiences, they're still like tied to some sort of consistent truth for her. Well, I guess because she's a scientist uh, and she needs the world to make sense, but it's it's shifted. Like I started off, I think, very much as a, a skeptic uh, and somebody who who didn't believe and walked away from faith. And she did grow up Catholic and now, you know, she isn't anymore. And I think because of everything that's been happening around um, me, Kristen, um, yeah, things have started shifting, which is just so interesting. So I don't know that she has any real, uh, real core. Like I, I find people fascinating who are able to shift because I think we are so unable to shift, you know. And I and I love that on our show you get um, you have real debates and people really listen to each other. And Mike and Asif and I, our characters, we come from such different perspectives and backgrounds however we're sitting down and we're listening to each other and I'm actually being changed by what Mike's character tells me or or what has happened to me and I think it's just beautiful I I I love that I love that about our show I wish we had more of that in the world it's so hard to change your mind (laughs) it really is it really is and I notice it in myself as well you know when I but I really firmly believe something. I just find it nicer to read an article about what I really firmly believe than, than the other side of it. Now, I myself am a big believer in science, so I don't question what any climate scientist says. I just think like they know what's up, so we got to do something. So I really don't want to read an article that says that you know climate change is as bad as it is. I just can't. Uh, but I think that's fine. <laughs> um, I, I always actively <laughs> seek out stories and articles about people that are different than me. But in that particular department, I know exactly what yeah. I need in my material, and I will stick to just that. Yeah, that's well, that's a that's a clear one. That's like science. Yeah, yeah. But then I am very interested. Obviously, as an actor, it's it's really fun to learn about people that aren't like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Kristen's anchor is she's a mama bear. She's going to protect her children no matter what. She's addicted to her job. She loves it. She is, I think, um, uh, she has a lot of self-doubt, which I think make, and she's also very strong. So I think that makes, that's a really interesting combination. All right. 
you've already brought up some of the cast. So I think I'll go in that direction now. Yeah. Of everyone in the evil ensemble, which two actors would you say have the most polar opposite approaches to their work? Where when you're their scene partner, you know you're going to have a completely different experience because of how they like to tackle their scenes. I'm not going to give you a good answer here because I'm very much of the mind that whatever somebody else is doing, I should not be judging and I should use that for whatever I'm doing or have it inform my performance. So I don't, I think we're, we're, we're all very collaborative on the show. I think we are also all are quite different in our acting approaches. Maybe Mike and I are quite similar I don't know. I'm not going to give you much there. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I don't. I can. I can add a. I can add a different layer to that. Yeah. So, given the variety of approaches people have to their work on that set, is there anything you've seen another actor do that, even with all your experience, it is a new technique to you, and you're kind of putting it in your back pocket and oh, planning to do in the future? That's that's nicer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was better. All right. Um, oh yeah, I'm constantly inspired by you know the people um, uh, around me because they're all pretty freaking great um who well i peter scolari who unfortunately passed away last season i was amazed by how he was able um how he was able to make like the driest scenes because he has to give us he had to give us those you know uh, this is what you're going to do this episode and here's the file and he would every take find another layer to that and make that add another layer of humanity and and fun and and weirdness. And I was hugely inspired by him as an actor and um, also as a person. I thought he he was just wonderful, and and we all miss him very very much. Um, yeah, I think he was he was he was in a league of his own. I, yeah. That is uh, definitely an appropriate yeah. way to describe it. Yeah. All right, I got to let you go soon. So I'll tiptoe okay. into uh, spoiler territory now. Uh, at the end of season three, maybe some teases for season four. I guess my, fir- my first big burning question for you is, and like, I don't know what you know about what's to come in the show, but just like for your own head theorizing at this point, mm. you have any hope that Kristen will ever be able to patch things up or reconnect with her mother? Or at this point, has Cheryl just gone so far that there's no coming back from what she's done? I, I-, I can't see it. I cannot see it. I don't see how you come back from that. Um, Christine has a very different opinion. Uh which is great because, you know, she should defend her character. I think she's passed any kind of defense. Uh, she has put my children in, 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 in incredible danger. I told her not to date a psychopath in, in, in season one. She put my husband on a shelf. He's now brainwashed sort of or has amnesia. It is beyond, I, I, I mean... I'm not going to say I'm going to kill her, but I'm I'm going to kill her. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to maybe murder her, but I need her away. And then maybe in 10 years, I, I will see her again or something. I, I don't know. Maybe when she gets really old, uh, we can reconcile. Or, But I, I don't, I have no idea how that relationship gets repaired. Yeah, I'm a big believer in family first, but uh, she's gone a little no. too far at this point. Yeah, she didn't put my family first. She put a, a, an evil man first. So yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's interesting because you only have one mother, right? So, but I think there are things that you cannot uh, come back from. 
I think that is a very reasonable yeah. way to be looking at it. <laughs> um, how about how about when it comes to what you want for your character versus where the story's going? Because the one thing I've obviously seen a lot of is, you know, fans really wanting Kristen and David to get together. But oh, yeah. like, I, I like the two of them together. But is that really the best thing for, I mean, both of them for a variety of reasons? No, I think I like the slow burn. I love Dean and Kristen as an addition. I think it's really fun um, way to, you know, explore that and 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 she's she actually I like her so much and she's so she really wants just wants love and uh I tried to make her someone you know a demon with a heart and uh, yeah I, I I think that's I think that's really fun I'd like to explore that a little bit more if I had my pick I would like to see maybe him you know hanging out with Kristen demon Kristen and me finding them or him alone or I don't know but I'm I'm quite weary of um, actors telling um uh writers what they want to see next it always kind of annoys me especially when you have writers as good as the kings I I I know how to act their stuff I think they should write it in whatever direction they want to write it and um it has it has been amazing what they've written so I'm sure they can up, come up with way better things than I can Okay, so to to follow up with that, I very much respect that approach, but also an an actor comes to understand their character to an extent. No, 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 extent, so. absolutely. And sometimes I'll like have some feedback. So there's a scene written, and I'm like, I don't think I'll have some feedback in terms of how I think emotionally. I need to find out a way to play it emotionally and and to to make it make sense and to make it make sense for Kristen. So I might write back, Hey, is it possible? to add a line about whatever a guilt or blah blah, blah or to include uh what we had in so so that i feel like it makes the heart of kristen is is full <laughs> and it's beating in the right in the right way and then i know how to play it better um that like the storyline around the the deep the baby that was uh, you know the demon baby episode the the parenting demon of parenthood i think it was called I remember like that was something where I did have some 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 wishes that I then said because I thought it was really I thought it had to be really heartbreaking for Kristen that somebody else was carrying her child and like the first draft that I read it wasn't and I just needed that to be just horrifying and 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 um and I think that 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 so so that those kinds of talks we have and 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 that's great, but I've rarely ever requested for anything because <laughs> they're amazing. With a team like that, I understand it, but I also can't envision her processing that information any other way because it also feeds into literally everything that happens to her from that point on in the season, in particular, the big reveal in the end. Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't that it was all different. There was just like a little bit more distance to your genetic material where I think like Kristen is such a, um, she's so, she's such a mom that, and, and the way that I would understand it, like I, I, I'm not a, not, not a, uh, I don't have children, but if I were to think that I had now a child, like some of me was somewhere, I would, I, I wouldn't know how to, yeah, it would just break my heart. And then, and then it gets really complicated because clearly this woman was really nice and okay, we're going to maybe make it work, but I didn't donate my eggs to someone. Um, so, yeah. It's like a absolute nightmare. Yeah. Um, with, that, with that thought in mind, I don't know if this is me overthinking it, but 
how exactly do you approach figuring out the right expression for Kristen ha- for Kristen to have when she is realizing in the the DF office what actually is happening during that party because that is all reaction shot on you as it's all playing out so mm. how do you figure out how like heartbroken versus any other kind of emotion that she could be having in that moment I think she was sort of shell shocked, right? It's just too much to process. And and I think we'll get into the weed of that later. I don't know. I don't I never think about oh what 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 is the expression needed? I just try to think thoughts and then my face will come along. However you would describe what your face was doing in that moment. That was definitely a very powerful way to okay, end it. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm happy. I've got it worked out. I haven't seen that moment, but yeah, great. I'm happy you liked it. Very very good scene. <laughs> okay, right. great. I'll end with this one. Of of all the main characters in this show, who at this point in her journey do you think that Kristen could benefit from spending more time with in season four? Hmm. Gosh. Oh, sorry, Perry. I don't know. I don't know. Look, there, there are things like I, I love, for instance, how different Sister Andrea and, and Kristen are. But there is also a certain kinship because they both take very little shit from men. Um, and, and they're pretty, uh, uh, you know, she, she smashes demons with a shovel. I kill a serial killer with an ice axe there. I, I, am interested in, um, I'm interested in that relationship. I just think it's, 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 it's kind of, yeah, it's beautiful or something and funny. And, 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 just, and Andrea Martin is a great actor, obviously. Um, she would benefit from spending absolutely no time with her mother unless to, you know, get rid of her. Uh, I don't more time with her children. I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to read. <laughs> more Andrew Martin we get in this show. The bad. I like, I don't know why anything surprises me on this show anymore, but I was just absolutely tickled watching her run around the house, beating the crap out of demons with the children. Yes. I mean, it feels like we, we've all been waiting for, to see that and, and, and didn't know we needed to see it, but there it was. I needed that in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I must let you go. I could clearly talk thank about this you. show all day long, but thank you so much for your time and thank huge, you, huge, huge congratulations. I am counting down to season four. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Terry. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.